I'm not sure about uh, Dr. Kajira where he is. I've, see, I've been seeing reports uh, of uh, some funny, funny weather there. Uh, all I can say is uh, keep uh, the, the weather there. Uh, but welcome, 805 here in the prairies. It should be 1005 uh, in Toronto. Uh, last time I was booked, I was told not to, it's not East Coast, but up, up East, 805. And it is uh, 17 hours in Zambia, 5, 5 p.m. Uh, wherever you are, a lot of activities are happening around uh, the world. We are happy to be uh, live and uh, reporting uh, to what is uh, happening. Nathan, good morning there. Oh, that wasn't uh, 8817-2896. Good morning. Okay. Nathan's phone has the... Uh, is, is connection eight one seven la, uh, last four numbers two eight nine six. Good morning. Okay. Oh, hello, Doctor Ajira. Hmm? How are you, sir? Hello. Uh, okay, Doctor Ajira. How are you? <laughs> hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear oh, you. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, loud and clear. Uh, Fantastic. How, how is, uh, how is the, the, the Torontos uh, of this world? Man, it's cold. It's cold. Uh, yeah, we, no. we laugh. I know. The other time now we've got the brunt of the cold. It's uh, minus <laughs> the 10, 9, you know. Right and this there. is just November. <laughs> this is I just know. November. <laughs> and it's white everywhere. Snow fell last week, and uh, early this yeah. week. And it hasn't uh, yeah, yeah, melted. Yeah. So we, it feels yeah, like Christmas. Yeah. It's, uh, too, it's come <laughs> too early for our liking. <laughs> yeah, in, in November. Yeah, you know, we, we had our share of uh, snow, but for some reason in the prairies we have the Chinook. They came, you yes. go outside, you will not even uh, think uh, there, was, there was snow, which is... Uh, uh-huh. Uh, it changed on its own because uh, most times uh, when it snows in October and it's uh, it's until spring when it will go away. But this time yeah. around we are, yeah, yeah, we, we are happy about that. Yeah, yeah, but, we uh, still hope we that in Canada melt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we'll yeah. put our fingers on that one. Yeah, Doctor Patrick, good morning. How is uh, North Carolina? Good morning, and it's cold in North Carolina. It's cold. But it's yes. cold. Thirty degrees. Oh my God! What? What? Thirty-five <laughs> degrees. Forty degrees. Thirty-five. No, that's right. But, but, but who am I? Who am I to say cold when I'm talking to you, right? Who am I? <laughs>
Uh, honestly, ever since I came, uh, I came at four, and that was the last time I was there. I haven't been back. So you came when you were at four? Yes, and I haven't been back. Okay. So your, uh, your uh, what am I going to say? Your image of Zambia, it is a, what is a, just uh, related to you. That's right. It, it, okay. No, sooner soon, soon or later we'll, we'll find a way of you being, um, as, as you become more of the ambassador to uh, mm-hmm. familiarize uh, yourself with, uh, with, uh, with Zambia. But it's good you are taking this first step uh, of our interest. Uh, I was listening to the, Yes, Dr. Patrick. Uh, I just, just have a, um, a question for Yona to think about. Yona, as you know, all conferences that one attends are not all cream and, and roses and, and cherries. There's always something that tweaks you that you say, hmm, I don't like this. Or So if you can make note of that, uh, this way we will avoid us doing it in the future. So uh, write down, make notes of the negative aspects also to things and events that you attend. Um, I think uh, the thing I really didn't like um, was they were talking about opening up the, you know, they want franchise companies to come and franchise stores or, you know, like let's say like things like Pizza Hut, uh, Subway, you know, restaurants like that. They did mention that of uh, them going to Africa and, you know, franchising, but, you know, that would take money out of the economy. Uh, I think it would be better if we start our own restaurant changes that we can franchise that keeps the money, you know, circulating in Africa. I think that was one thing I didn't like about it, uh, but that was like one of the only things I didn't like. The conference was very good. It was it was amazing. Excellent, excellent. We'll make uh, we'll make note of that. Thank you. And keep reminding us <laughs> of, of things of that nature. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have to start our own uh, franchising. That, that, that's good. I mean, that's a diversity. Mm. That is the uh, the thinking uh, we, we want, which is uh, embedded probably in young people, uh, fresh fresh way of thinking. With the older guys, yeah. guess what? We just uh, do what we are used to do to be doing. Oh, the franchise, the only franchise we know is McDonald's, and McDonald's comes from the U.S. <laughs> well, the young people are saying, uh, not not too fast. We can do. Uh, we, we can start our own. Yeah, I I I, I like that. In New York, Miss Yareka. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I was. Uh, oh, we are going to talk about this. Uh, you, you're going to give us. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I hope we're going to have time. Uh, you, you know, this uh, uh, radio year can go out of way. How was Ghana? It was excellent. Very hot, but yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We we we'll we, we find a, a way be, uh, on top of the hour before we start the like, like, like the segment. Uh, we'll probably touch yeah. on that. Uh, is that a fair deal, Miss Erica? Miss Anakas? Sure. Sure. No problem. Okay. Okay. Stay stay tuned. In Houston, uh, Miss Cortilda, how are you, my sister? To uh, two 
morning. I had muted and then I had all these things covering my phone. Good morning. How's everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you call? <laughs> yeah, but those things. Anyway, no, good to have you. I'm multitasking, yeah. so I have your speaker. Okay. Oh, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. No, good, uh, good to have you. Uh, again, like I said, uh, on top of uh, the hour, we are going uh, health-wise, uh, taking care of your heart. We, we said with, with Dr. Kajira, and we said to ourselves, here we are, mm-hmm. we have uh, a, a cardiologist, a doctor uh, of the heart, and we're not even talking about, uh, about it. What's up with that? What's wrong with us? So today we are going to do that on top of the hour. We'll visit with Anaka as first, uh, just to find out uh, how Ghana went, uh, what connections uh, she came up with from there. And uh, so we'll take care of uh, everything. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let's do some uh, stories uh, around the world, uh, and a lot of them, uh, a lot. Um, what is happening? First, uh, some people, Anakas don't, don't like politics, but I go to politics. The, the Trump impeachment, uh, those who are following it, um, I, I don't want to go into the details of everything, uh, Nathan, but uh, what I like about what happened, especially yesterday, uh, looking at that lady uh, testify, and then there is this guy in Kiev, uh, I've forgotten his name, Dr. Patrick, you can remind me. He says, well, I was, uh, uh, this is not just here, I'm moving from Kiev, I'm going to testify, and this guy works for the government. Uh, to me, that struck me as uh, what it means, uh, Dr. Patrick, to have strong institutions when people within can stand up to protect the, uh, the institution of government. That struck me, and I'm not sure that can happen in Africa. I am not sure. Uh, what was your impression, Dr. Patrick, if you, if you heard about that? I was, I was impressed with the arrogance and the, the uh, not only arrogance, but a, a person that believed, as, as the youth would say, that the person thought he was all that, which which means is for an individual to get on the phone yes. and have it loud enough, or you can hear the president's voice coming over the phone. This was an attempt to show everyone in that restaurant that he has the juice to contact the president directly and engage in a conversation. So with his arrogance in trying to show off that he has that type of connection, it backfired because here you have the the, uh, young man that you were talking about, as well as other individuals in that restaurant listening to it. And now what happens is being brought to the front with respect to that telephone conversation. So... Him being too full of himself results in another another negative uh, dagger that's going straight to the president. Doctor Kajira, I don't know if you are following again. Just on the same young man who was uh, listening to the phone call, him stepping up 
and uh, coming to testify against uh, Trump. He is still in government, Dr. Kajir. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you are following uh, that case. He's still in government. For him to step up, just to step up, tells you something about the American system. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think, um, see, it's believing in, in your system, believing in the bigger uh, picture, which is your country, believing that no single individual, no matter how powerful they might be, Exactly. Um, I'm immune to following the law of, you know, of yes. protecting the country. And I think that's what we need. We need that in Africa. We need that in Zambia, where people should rise above uh, personal interests and, uh, you know, personal relationships and look at yeah. the, the country as a whole. Uh, I can't speak uh, about his ulterior motives. Uh, the, the United States is pretty divided right now between Democrats and Republicans. But I think just looking at the evidence, and uh, it was clear that people who listened to that conversation were perturbed and set aback at what they heard there. So, no, I, I think the bottom line is um, we need brave people. It's not easy. Uh, to stand up to authority. Uh, usually there are consequences that follow, but I think I'll just say he's brave to do that, and I think it should be applauded. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, uh, I was encouraged. I was telling my wife why the American system is, uh, is strong. Uh, why all these, uh, yes, the Chinese may have uh, a strong wallet right now, uh, yes, the Russians may be, may be trying, but it will be very, very tough to match uh, what the foundation these guys in the United States uh, have. Uh, that's uh, the, the strength. Okay. Um, I, I, I feel like, uh, I think um, you can create a better economy than America, uh, Africa. Okay, uh, speak up again. Speak up. Uh, are you speaking here, Jonah? Okay. I was, was saying, the, uh, I think we can create a better economy in Africa than they have here in America because it's a lot of, yeah, it's a great economy, but they have like a lot of things wrong with it. If we take away those things that's wrong with it, we could circulate currency and just make the whole country explode. If that makes sense. I don't know if I was speaking too technical. That, that makes sense. Uh, that, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. Uh, and that also goes to what we were discussing, Dr. Kajira, if you remember. Uh, if we have to create a 200 billion economy in Zambia, we have to have the rule of law, uh, checks yes. and balances, the way we are seeing them in the United States. That is how you grow the economy, because that stops all, all nonsense of corruption, uh, which happens in, in our countries. If this was done by, uh, in Africa, if this was done by the African president, no one would question him. Uh, and guess what? Uh, that uh, perpetuates uh, corruption as, a, as, as, as it were. All right. No, thank you. Uh, a report here, Nathan, of something you were talking about on radio. Eight countries, African countries, those who belong to, uh, to the franc. Is it franc or franc? Franc. To the French um, reserve. Uh, they have indicated they want to pull out uh, from, the, from the reserve. Eight countries, Western countries, uh, those are uh, who belong to to the to, to the French. So this pressure 
is uh, is, uh, is building this pressure is uh, working uh, so we, we we see it now even ha- happening so we don't know what will happen some people are saying all oh, the african countries who want to take away their money from the french reserve are going to collapse blah 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 but we we say it is a, it does not make any sense uh, for you to be uh, borrowing your own money at uh, at an in, at an interest um it's one thing i'm also going to look at whether zambians when we say we have money in our reserves what what that really means uh, whether we have uh, an account in new york i don't know I, I want to find out about that good morning uh, good morning, my brother. How are you doing today? Where do we keep our money, which are in the reserves? When we say we have uh, ten billion in our reserves, ten billion. That's mm-hmm. uh, can only dream about that. We had got two billion, uh, which EPF uh, ate, and uh, now mm-hmm. they are in the hole. Where did we keep that? Uh, we, we have an account somewhere. What does that mean? No, it's in the Bank of Zambia. That's what the Bank of Zambia is for. So uh, now. A, a reserve account is that a dollar account? Of course, it has to be in the in the glo- in the global currency. It's uh, it's about the 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 the, um, uh, the, the forex reserves, the um, ability to cover international business uh, in the uh, the ability to cover international business. Uh, the ability to cover international business lies in how much of that money you have. It's like a savings account for the country. Which you use to do business with other countries and and you know do the the the, the balance of payments and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that that that, that makes sense. So the French, uh, these French uh, countries, what they are saying is they are bringing these currencies instead of bringing uh, uh, keeping their money in um, uh, in Paris, uh, they want to keep it in their in in their capitals. Um, so that makes a, a, a little bit of sense. Why France? Uh, and uh, some people are predicting France might collapse. The economy might collapse if uh, uh, this uh, uh, comes comes through. But Roger, hello, hello, Anagas, go ahead. I think with with the, the difference with uh, the French, uh, the colonized uh, French countries is that they have to put their money in France, like all their money. I think 65 percent of that is kept in France, and when they want to use some of that money, they still have to go back to France and borrow from there. So what they're trying to do is move those reserves to uh, a, like more like a central bank, but in Africa, or I think it will be a new bank. I'm not sure if it's new or existing, but, but they want it to be based in, in Africa so that they can have access, to readily, uh, ready access to the funds whenever they need to use the money. Because right now everything mm. is controlled through France. So it's that control yeah. that they're trying to uh, remove. But I'm just concerned. Um, they're used to that process. There's probably some procedures around that. There's investments and whatnot. So are they ready to move that money and, you know, have control or governance over how the money is spent? Are they already set up that way? Because if you just withdraw money and you don't really know how to invest, you don't really know how to, how to manage it, again, there's a, there's a risk there, right? So I've they Yeah, have they they'll just start exactly twenty four million you spend, you know, a million on fire trucks and all that stuff. So 
Um, I think we, I, I'm, that's just my only issue. I have, they've done their due diligence to be able to manage those yeah. funds. Okay. Well, that is, uh, explained, um, but uh, it has been a source of, uh, I think we are thinking our ambassador, uh, Nathan, the, uh, I don't know, Dr. Something Something, this uh, caused a uh, uh, oust from the position. Uh, I think she was really pushing it hard. So French uh, probably was not, uh, uh, didn't like this. So probably that's what uh, happened. Yeah, because... Uh the current, uh, what do you call it? The current African Union chairperson, or I think that's what they call them, is from, uh, is it Niger, which is a former French mm-hmm. colony. So they put pressure there. That's the information. It's now common knowledge. I mean, it's no longer like, uh, oh, what really happened? Everybody knows mm-hmm. those guys put pressure. Because our, term, our tenure was supposed to end, uh, is it next year or 20, 2021? It was supposed to end February 2021, okay? Okay, yeah. Somebody may argue these are political appointments. It can be withdrawn or you can be whatever. So give reasons why you are terminating a contract which was signed for this particular period, you know. That is the yeah. whatever. Yeah, the, the, the people I mean, it's, it's like listening to Yakonovich, uh, the, the, the lady who was uh, fired by Trump, she was so... Uh, she says, firing, you can do it any time, but why you had to smear me is something I don't understand. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that was just awesome. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. Good morning. Good morning, Baroja. How are you? Oh, we are, we are here. How are you doing, Mariam? I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, everything went well, and I'm doing. I'm, I'm back at home, and I'm doing well. Thank you okay. for your yeah, prayer no, and sorry. for your concern. Yes. 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 Uh, we we had uh, quite late uh, at Miami was, uh, uh, but I mean, it's, we, we all know it's going to be uh, a, a long road. But uh, you know, your fro- your friends and family on Zambia Block Talk Radio will always be with you, and we are always glad to have you back on on radio. And uh, I'm glad to be part of this community, and I hope you guys you li- you use me as a learning uh, 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 something, you know, because uh, we talk about uh, where we are from, and uh, with my condition and uh, uh, where I am today, with the people that are uh, uh, working on me and uh, the way they discover the the way they are coming up to know what's troubling me and stuff like that. So uh, I'm glad to be part of uh, uh, this community. The family. That's Thank quite. you, Roger. This family. Okay, yes. no, you, 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 you are welcome. Uh, you. Those who follow what is happening uh, in our country, the, the, the Kwacha Nakazi uh, is is on the dive. Um, it's a, it is a two-edged sword, Wakashira. Uh, to us who send money to Zambia all the time, <laughs> yeah. we are happy. We have to send so less for the same. Uh, for the same value, is it same value? Are we going to to call it same value? But the same quacha, uh in the dollar terms. Uh, but the 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 it's the magnitude which is uh, um, surprising or which is uh, worrying. Uh, if the currency continues to go that far, I'm I'm not sure our country can 
can can survive that. In 15 days, the currency lost about 4%. And in currency terms, uh, that is huge. That, 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 is, that is huge. Uh, only but Roger, maybe slightly any yes, economic right, activity right. with load shedding of 20 hours. Exactly. Exactly. What do you expect? I mean, these things don't work in isolation. Electricity is key yeah. for everything. I mean, so that that I believe must be be having a big impact on on why the quarter is dropping rapidly. Yeah. The economic activity of Wakajira is almost zero because mm. of load shedding. And then you keep up with the, the payments we have to pay as far as the Eurobond is concerned. Uh, that ain't pretty a uh, situation to find yourself in. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it is tough. So we hope uh, everything works out, but um, other than that, we will, I don't know, we keep praying for our country like us also. We don't know if that is the... <laughs> Like Asonso, like Asonso <laughs> and I had a, a very nice chat, a nice discussion. Uh, Nathan, uh, I was trying to convince him that uh, all leadership comes from God, and he says no, not, not uh, all governments come from 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 God. I I don't know. Don't even want to go there. <laughs> uh, on top of the hour, uh, those who are listening to us, we are going to take care of your heart today, especially some of us who are growing um, uh, old. Uh, if you are above fifty. You might uh, 50 or above. You might want to listen uh, because uh, this uh, this really attaches you. So, how you can take care of your heart uh, as you grow younger again, Doctor Kajira will be there to answer our questions. <laughs> to answer our our questions and our and, and our concerns. Uh, my friends from Kasempa, uh, they are, they are joining us. Uh, they are telling me here. Uh, someone is listening online. Nathan. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Within Africa, um, I've got a lot of stories, but if, you want, if someone has uh, their own story, uh, please uh, let me know. This story, Dr. Patrick, concerns me, uh, what is uh, happening in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is uh, on the brink of some very serious civil war. Uh, those who go to Twitter, if you can go to Twitter and uh, just uh, um, search what is happening in Ethiopia. Some, there's some big, big, big tribe. Nathan, it was you who said uh, about Ethiopia. Ethiopia was not colonized. For the same reason Ethiopia was not colonized is the same reason why they cannot uh, live together, so to say. They mm. are tough, arrogant people, Ethiopians. They are tough. Some of the, <laughs> the tribes you find in <laughs> some of the some of the tribes you find in that country, they are like as in tough. So the young man, Doctor Patrick, is um, you know Ahmed. He just won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, but he is under a lot of pressure. Uh, the killings are happening every day. Uh, drips here, five here, six there. Uh, some are now beginning to create uh, armies of their own segments. Uh, so think about Ethiopia. We don't know what is, uh, the end game is going to be. Uh, according to the Ethiopian um, constitution, their constitution actually allows uh, states to
say we want to be away from Ethiopia. So I don't know if that is what is driving them. I am not sure. But um, uh, our thoughts, our prayers, and uh, I don't know, in Ethiopia, uh, over there. Um, anyone, any comments? I move on. I've got too, too much stuff uh, to talk about. Yeah, there there. Uh, uh, yeah, Roger, there are sociological uh-huh. issues in, in, in Ethiopia and the way they've organized their, 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 their republic. Uh, you know, but, you know, one of the things that we can learn from, from them, it's not just on the conflict, but what we can learn from them is the organization of the country where uh, we don't just find identity in uh, in the name of the country but we also find identity in our villages in our groups in our families uh that is a, not a, a bad thing the only thing is that when one one group of people keep being uh keep being the the problem to the other groups then the other groups yes. might have a reaction we do have a situation in zambia where if you look at even the current political system, you can name maybe 10 political parties that are in the country. And uh, the, those 10 political parties have got 10 presidents. And those 10 presidents, if you check their villages where they come from and you draw the map of Zambia, you can cut the country in half. You'll find that 90% come from just one half of the country. Uh, those are problems that you can have in the future. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, uh, self-rule and self-governance must go down to the individual and must go down to the villages, must go down to the regions, and the people must be able to come as a whole into a country, having a clear sense of identity from where they are. That's a big uh, reason, Lakasonso. Actually, I almost forgot why I even wrote this one, this one down. Uh, that is the main reason. Uh, when I see what is happening in in Zambia, um, I was saying to myself, I, I hope uh, people like our president they understand uh, what they are doing right now. When you look at the composition of the cabinet, for instance, it is a northern province and eastern. All other provinces are not on the table. Uh, and I've been saying to myself, I hope they understand what they, they, they are doing. Uh, because the other half, like you said, is getting uh, hardened uh, together. Okay, we belong here. We probably don't belong there. So uh, we are grateful, first and foremost, to have Kaunda, uh, what he did to our nation, uh, bring us together yeah. under one Zambia, one nation. Just quick comment on Kaunda. What Kaunda did yeah. was uh, the beautiful part of Kenneth Kaunda. Kenneth Kaunda did not have a tribe in Zambia. He was mm-hmm. an offshoot of, of the Tonga community in Malawi. So, and, but he was born in Rhodesia. So what Kenneth Kaunda did was he understood at least the various different groupings, and he organized the republic in such a way that even the politics of the, of the country to be able to achieve unity was to be done through a political structure which he called the one-party participatory democracy <laughs> so that the, he can be able to galvanize his people and organize it into a unitary state. When you lose the fundamentals of Kenneth Kaunda's concept, 
uh, you are you are affecting the future of the republic because you are you are veering away from the way it was put together. Yes, yes, I, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. So Nathan, this is one thing. I, I when I when I look at what is happening in Ethiopia, I'm saying to myself, mm. uh, let's be very careful. Eh? Let's be very careful. Uh, we, we see what uh, Trump uh, has done with his white nationalist uh, um, ad, ad, ad agenda. Those on the side of him, uh, they think it's okay. And yet those are the people who should be speaking up. And I hope uh, my friends from the Eastern, who come from the East, can, can speak up and say, Vane, what you are doing, you, 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 you leave us into, uh, in problems. As a, as a nation. I hope we, we come together. Uh, this doesn't uh, take us away. Because here's one thing uh, that people fail to recognize, okay? Our country, where it is right now, you can't really say, and this goes across um, all nations of the world, we, we are just a bunch of crossbreeds. <laughs> What I mean by that is, you see, yes, I keep telling exactly. people, okay, I'm a son of a Tumbuka and a Bemba woman from Mporokoso uh, brought up in Mufulira. What's my tribe, Yarek? Where do you put me? Okay, so you see, that's the way basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling people my village is Mufulira. They are like, no, you point. I said it. You are not going to place me anywhere. Stop it, okay? Stop it. That's what, you see, that's what I keep saying. I, okay, if I give you an example, like people like, we all know smarter. You know smarter was brought up in Kitwe, eh? You see, mm -hmm. it was people like that. Smarter is a, co is a copper belt person to use a modern dictionary language, copper. Mweti Momba in England, Tonga, if you can call him Tonga by virtue of his last name, that's a copper belt boy. That's what I mean by saying the nation has become a country, the world, not just a nation, of crossbreeds. We, we are just a bunch of crossbreeds. That's what we've become. So when you start playing this thing of Bemba, Tonga, that's just the language the person speaks. That's the way I look at it. Period. We shouldn't. We and should I, I call it the yeah. The, I call it the lowest common denominator. That's what I it I, is. I, I call I, I call it because uh, mm. then you you've lost uh, uh, all manner of go governance and you want to go to the lowest. Oh, by the way, you you are more closer to me because you mm -hmm. you, you are Kwaonde. That is the lowest. A lot of us. It's very really low. Know, you know, you know we, when, up, you, we, 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 we never knew all that stuff. So, friends, let's not minimize it, Nathan. This, we, we, we have we to be cannot. on top of it and ask our we, president, why do you have all people, uh, uh, not all-inclusive government? Even HH, some of us who support him, we need mm -hmm. an all-inclusive government, which looks like Zambia. Um, Roger, let me comment on what one come up. Uh, let me comment on what Vankama has said uh, to just uh, amplify his point. Uh, myself, my father is come from Solwezi and my mother from Sanfia. The essence yes. of a crossbreed is there. Uh, I have roots in the west and I have roots in the eastern part of the country if you must draw uh, a 
map. But I'm talking about the governance of the republic. When you talk about the governance of the republic, here in the United States, for example, we have what we call the left and the right. If we use that same concept, the left and the right, in the Republic of Zambia, we also have the centrist. If you look at um, uh, Kenneth Kaunda's origin can be traced from the eastern part of the, of the country, if you, you cut it in. Lev Mwanawasa was probably a centrist coming from the middle part of the country. And um, uh, the rest of the presidents, you can all put them on the eastern part. So it's like that eastern block is the ruling class of the republic. So we must also get into the roots of that sociological influence because when these people take over the reins of power, they lean heavily towards practices and policies and the behaviors that favor uh, certain elements and traditions and values that come from those places. So that is where I've, I, I commented on KK's concept of one Zambia. KK's concept of one Zambia was a genius idea because it harnessed all the segments of the republic. Uh, the political system that we, we have evolved into catalyzes all political advantages to one particular region. Look at the political parties themselves right now. Everyone who is forming a political party, you look at the last thing, they are going to <laughs> the divide the country. <laughs> okay. they, are, they, they, are, they are from the eastern bloc. And that is not healthy for Zambia going forward. Okay, I'm going to create create one political party in that sense. Uh, going forward, this week there was um, a summit. I don't know if it's a summit of the BRICS. The BRICS uh, countries like Brazil, South Africa, China, Turkey, and Russia. Uh, those are five countries uh, form what is called uh, the the BRICS. It is a comment of the Chinese premier which uh, caught my attention. Uh, is uh, saying the world should move away from uh, uh, protectionism, uh, protectionist, and bullying. Uh, so I thought this was very strange, uh, Anakas, coming from, uh, I don't know if you follow this politics, uh, uh, a Chinese, a Chinese uh, premier is saying, let's stop protectionism and 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 bullying uh, what, what, what say you coming from the chinese what, what say you anakaz well i haven't even been following because i was just wondering recently why the chinese are very quiet right now or oh, i haven't been hearing anything <laughs> okay. about the why they are trump, trump yeah, has put them think, yeah my own, my, own my own assumption was that they're probably doing something building you know stuff Building their businesses out there. The next time we see them, they would have taken over the whole country. So that that that's my own, you know, suspicion. Yeah. Right there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't really been following. I've just been curious. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Patrick, what, what what do you think? Uh, help me. The the, the Chinese uh, is saying the world should should not uh, uh, embrace protectionism and uh, and bullying. Uh, what is the Chinese premier talking about here? He's talking about what he's accomplished to, to date, and being uh-huh. that they've reached the milestone of of this type of new philosophical approach, he wants everyone else to fall in line with his direction. So he's speaking with one tongue, 
and signing off money moneyism or you call capitalism and he's going with a different approach for the same outcome. So he's financing one end but he's letting you look at the opposite end. It's what I call prestidigitation of economics. So don't the old saying is don't listen to what he says. Look at what yeah. he does. What he does. What he does. Wakajira, we in in Africa, the Chinese are bringing uh, the truck driver. They are bringing the, the guy who has to do the smallest kind of job. Uh, they are coming to Africa to, to, to do work. Uh, some of the contracts we are signing, our own people cannot participate in the construction. They have to bring their own people. So when this man says the, says the protectionism, I am not sure what he is talking about, in my view. I, I just said to, to, to myself, whatever, man. You are doing the same things now that it is against you. Someone has put a, a foot on your neck. Now you are complaining, Vakajira. We are in a situation of survival of the fittest. Um, I like what uh, Dr. Arikana Chambokori uh, often says about the Berlin War and how Africa was divided into these little countries. It's like, you know, yes. divide and rule. Break it up. Each little country, tell it you're independent, you're different from your neighbors. Now, you expect Moga, uh, what's this, uh, Somalia or Djibouti, like she likes saying, to negotiate and sit on the same table with, with China and, yes. and think you're going to get a deal that Djibouti will benefit from. Forget it. You see, our economies are so small. So China is a bully, number one. But they're bullying us in a very clever way. They, they, yes. they have a history of helping us over the years uh, through liberation struggle and so on and so forth. But what Africa should know that many of these countries like Russia, China, who helped us with the liberation, they didn't help us because they loved us. Okay, let's get that very clear. They did not help us because they loved us. They helped us because there was a Cold War. They were opposing what the West were doing, and they were also doing it for future. These guys think 20, 30 years ahead. They knew if we help these guys one day when they're independent, they'll consider us our friends. These guys are sitting on diamonds. They're sitting on wealth. One day we'll come and say, look, we helped you. So, so I think while we appreciate the help they gave us, we must be smart enough to say, Look, uh, what is it for me and my people? You, you alluded to the point of uh, them sending uh, truck drivers and, you know, simple jobs that Zambians can do. They can do it because they have the audacity, because they have the power, the money. They dictate. They, look at this. They give you Exim Bank stationed in Lusaka. When you arrive at the international airport, first thing you see is a big billboard of Exim Bank. So you are right. So they have the money. They're giving you the money. They, they, they are right in your country. So they'll dictate. So I agree. Okay. With, I've become really a pan-Africanist. I believe Africa should break down those borders and become one big United States of Africa and start to negotiate with all these blocks on a one-to-one -one basis. 
I think once we do that, then we're, but for now, since we don't have that utopia situation, we just got to yeah. have very smart leaders. We have to have thinkers in office, not not Kadarizi, <laughs> you know. I'm telling you, yeah. we need the brains Zambia can provide to sit down yeah. on those people and, and counter-argue our case, you know. Yeah. We, that's what we need. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll always be crying, yeah. oh, no, we got a big bad deal, and yeah. so on. Yeah. Because, Bagashia, what you're saying, if we went to the table as a block, we are putting 1.2 billion people on the table. Yeah. They will listen. They will listen. They can't ignore us. They will listen. You know? <laughs> 1.2 billion. Why are you kidding me? You know? I know uh, Zambia wants to send Mr. Lungu on, him, on his own trip with 18 million people. 18 million people is a village in China. That's a village, Mr. Lungu. You'll be talking to a councillor. Uh, you know, you can't talk to a premier like that. Come on now. <laughs> All right. So China, don't give us uh, that, that uh, what, what you're trying to, to, to give us. You are the biggest bully as far as some of us are, are concerned. Uh, <laughs> we are financing your... Africa is financing your, most of your economy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We go, we go forward. We have about ten minutes. In ten minutes, we are, I will visit with Anakazi to hear how the uh, conference went, and uh, then uh, our main discussion that is taking care of uh, your heart, uh, Nathan. Uh, after fifty, uh, you, you you have to start listening to to to, to, to Takajira, or else uh, you just find yourself one day you are kneeling down. You don't you don't know why. So stay tuned to those who are listening online and are waiting for the hot discussion. <laughs> there was a, a question, I don't know if you saw it, Dr. Kajira. Um, Chamasengo, my good friend in Kasempa, who wrote, oh, I've, I've always thought about this, so he wants to find out. I, I, I don't know what he felt, but I'll go back to that question and bring it, bring it to you. Sure, sure, no uh, problem. We are going on, we are going on. Um, I don't know if I want to bring up this. Uh, this was a hot topic again, one of those small hot topics on my page uh, about uh, our government has paid 27 mi million uh, for one month supply of electricity. 27 million. 27 million for 30 days. What? <laughs> 30 days. <laughs> 30 days worth of Man. electricity. <laughs> With 27 million, we could create our own energy, like. Solar farms, all kind of different energy suppliers, and that's that's crazy. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Twenty-seven million. Um, Yona. Three hundred megawatts for a month. Yeah, and maybe it won't even affect anything. It would just be swallowed. Yeah. Yeah. And but there's an argument. From, I was making a comparison with uh, Rwanda. Uh, they made. Um, a solar a solar plant uh, for 23 million. It may not be that big, uh, even if it is only eight megawatts coming from there, or is it 10 megawatts? Uh, it is able to supply 15,000 homes, but it is for another 15 years. Another. Imagine if you had to build the, uh, on every district you are, you are building a small a solar plant uh, like that. Uh, that means in 10 years or so, 
the country will probably be energy independent. But there we are spending 27 million. I, I, I'm not sure. I didn't understand that. That was a, a statement actually came from the finance minister. Said we have just made a, a payment to ESCOM in South Africa for uh, delivery of 27 million uh, for 300 megawatts. Um, again, like a lot of people are saying here, it didn't uh, make a lot of sense. Um, anyway, that is it goes back yeah. to the point that uh, Dr. Kasonso mm. made about smart leadership. Okay, when mm. we say smart leadership, we are not just saying uh, yeah. what you call it. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> We're not just talking about you being smart in class, getting 99% and all that stuff. We're talking about uh, doing things which are workable, which make sense. Which benefits which the least, yeah. yeah. Which which yeah. benefits the least person or the least citizens in the country? Because you see, if you look over a period of time, I mean, I I was telling some we are having this discussing about load shedding. I said, are you telling me in the 27 years Vakaunda was president, there was no drought? You can't tell me there was never drought during 20. Chiruva had one of the worst droughts. Yes. Just one year after yes. taking office, you all remember, mm-hmm. was it 91, yeah. 92? We had the mm-hmm. worst drought. There was no load shedding. So please yeah. stop lying to people and saying it's the drought and the lower levels of what. You just didn't do smart leadership, period. That's all it is. You mean the weather yeah. forecasters or the weather center, wherever it is, that up there on Greatest Road, somewhere towards the airport. Their job is not only to tell you whether it will rain tomorrow or what the temperature will be. Their job is to advise the government on weather patterns and prepare adequately. That's my understanding. <coughs> you see? So if you make use of the resources and the various departments that you have in your department, government, whatever, you should be able to. This time with solar, everybody's talking about solar, windmills. This time we should have had windmills in places like Western Province where there's clear land with sand. Just put up windmills there and let them generate energy. Do it in portion. How can they, how can they get energy in, in Western Province? You look at the region and how it is structured geographically and all those things. Put up structures there. And one thing is, I understand the all money to uh, what's the company in Escom. The all money to to what? Yareka, your company Escom. from Africa. Escom. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yareka, what company did you work for? The Copa Belt. What do they call it? CP. Yeah. Copa Belt Energy Company. They all money to that company. Why aren't they promoting Copa Belt Energy Company? How do you pay a foreign company when your own company is suffering? That's why I'm bringing in the point about Asonso Vachpanga, smart leadership. That's what I'm trying. That's my argument. Look ahead. Make use of the departments that you have. Once again, the weather department is not just there to tell the world what the temperature will be tomorrow. They're supposed to advise on issues to do with, you know, geographical stuff and all that. 
that's that's my argument, Roger. That, that's that's my point you're making, Nathan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big point yeah. because uh, if this problem started in Chiruba's time, when he, uh-huh. when our our, our population was probably <laughs> I don't know 10 million somewhere there. Now we are 17, almost 7 million has been added on to the. To, to, to the grid. Imagine if we had started building a, a power plant in every uh, district. Uh, by now, every district would have been uh, okay. Uh, like we talked about the reserves. So they ate all the reserves. There is no money. If, even if they wanted to import power, they don't have it. And then they went and borrowed the euro bond, paying at a very high interest rate. So we are in a very bad situation. Uh, even uh, getting power from other countries has become almost uh, like it's a nightmare. Like I said, so you wanted to say something. Yes, about uh, smart government, uh, just to amplify on Vankama's point, um, you know, the governance of the people, uh, there must be quality in the way we're executing governance of the people. The people of Zambia right now are being abused. The resources are not being uh, used to uh, kind of harness the geniusness of our republic to the advantage of its own people. Uh, So we have a type of leadership that uh, just doesn't pay enough attention to how to advance the well-being of its own people in in, in in its borders. And we are ourselves to blame because... Uh, the government that we have is a reflection of what our priorities are. Mm. Uh, until from the grassroots, until mm-hmm. from uh, the middle of the country, we begin to think, you know, even the things we study in school, it's like all those things we study in school, once we get in government or we are trying to put people in government, they become irrelevant. You know, so, you know, we, we govern by rote and, you know, we don't pay attention to the system and structure that can best organize the republic to harness its ingenuity and have uh, the benefits of the global economy. We need to be able to do that. We are capable of doing that and we don't beat the drum enough there. Look at, <laughs> first of all, the aspiring people, people who are aspiring to lead the country. If you if you go on YouTube and you listen to it's like the the whole game of trying to aspire to lead. They are just trying to outsatter each other. No, me, I was with Mr. Sata. Me, I was I was did this with Mr. Sata. And you know, Mr. Sata was a great man, but he only ruled for three years. There are people like Kenneth Kaunda who governed the country for twenty seven years. Frederick Chilwa governed for for for, for the entire ten years. Leave him one hour. And you can mention all these other people. So the issue is not who you worked with. The issue is, what are the ideas of reorganizing or organizing the republic to harness mm. its geniusness so that we can be a buoyant and stronger economy? Right now, there's nothing uh, that's going on. Even government, they're just occupying space. <laughs> uh, I think um, maybe, I guess for me, uh, I'll just throw an idea out there if there are any like, investors or anybody in Zambia listening. Uh, something new that's really going to take over uh, you can create wood without actually cutting down trees. Uh, if you harness hemp, uh, not marijuana, but hemp, you can reconstruct it to where it's like 20 times harder than wood, and it grows like at, like 300 times faster than uh, trees would grow. So 
uh, that's something that could generate a lot of money for Zambia. So if any investors are looking at, I would listen to that and, you know, start a little hemp wood production company that would explode in Africa because there's no need to cut down trees anymore. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, hemp is, is what? Uh, is it, does it come from a seed? Because uh, I know Pianc talked about it uh, one time here. Uh, that, is that marijuana or you said no, it's not marijuana? Okay, so you have hemp and then you have – so marijuana comes from hemp. It's like uh, I think they engineered uh, hemp to where it produces more THC, and that's what marijuana is made of. But hemp, you know, you could create fuel from this. Uh, you don't need oil. Uh, you can create wood. You can honestly reconstruct it to where you can create cars out of it because uh, if you compress it to a point uh, where it's, like, mushed together, I think that's, like, the easier way to really explain it, it will um, it will harden, and you can honestly use it to create anything, and it's very cheap to make, very and it grows very fast. Yeah. So Well, uh, those are the technologies to... we need. But right now we are dealing with the, our Christian thing. I'm not sure our <laughs> hey, people. Roger, Roger, Roger. You have you 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 uh, mentioned during the last uh, last weekend's program that yeah. the title and deeds were obtained for for land in Zambia. Maybe a certain section of it could be dedicated and devoted to hemp growing. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 no, I like that. We, we, we need those ideas uh, uh, thrown, uh, thrown uh, around and, and see something should be able to uh, to come out and uh, and work. But otherwise, uh, where we are, it is uh, quite precarious. Actually, the situation is is, is quite bad. Uh, the population has been growing. Uh, the Kariba Dam. When we talk about the Kariba Dam, it was given to us uh, by the colonial masters. When we were three million people, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Anakaz, if you, I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you were very young. Some of us, when we were just in grade one, in, somewhere in the 70s, it was three million of us. And we used to have milk um, for breakfast at school. Uh, come Independence, Sprite was brought to us, a compliment of Coca-Cola, Zambia. Man, we used to enjoy Yona. We had the well, we had something going, man. We never used to talk about load shedding. What is load shedding? What is load shedding? Yeah. Uh, okay, we, we are winding. Uh, don't know, winding down, winding up. I don't know uh, to, to to do our discussion. And when we talk, Nathan, about the African leaders, this is what we are talking about. The king, King Mswati of. Uh, then Swati, I don't know, that country now, but I don't know if it's Swaziland. Swati, Swati, yeah, King Swati. His subjects are up in arms with him because apparently he bought one, he bought 120 BMWs for his family, one 120 BMWs and 19 Rolls Royce. To, for use, you know he has so many wives in Nathan, yeah? so he had the, all this. Yeah. So his people are are, are, are mad. Uh, so when we when we see what is happening in our own country, uh, feel better. <laughs> it it can be bad out there. Um, Twitter is also telling me about 
the continued um, protests in Hong Kong. Uh, just now, there's a protest as we speak in Iran, a big one against the, the administration. Uh, so update yourself. Bolivia had their, their president uh, resign uh, because I, I don't know if he stole the election or what happened there in Bolivia. So he's been given asylum in, in, in Mexico. So we live in a, a very um, <laughs> confused world, mm-hmm. as Bagasoso will tell you. Uh, it is tricky. We live in uh, uh, this world. Okay, we transition here. Uh, let me say hello to the people who have just joined us. We transition. We look at your heart, but before we do that, let's visit with Anakazi, see what she was up to in, uh, in, in, in Ghana, and then Bakashira uh, and I will uh, go to check your heart. We, we want you uh, on radio, people, another 50 years here. So we'll do that. <laughs> Brother... Um, Oh, yes, just dropped when I wanted to open his mic. Vachongo, how are you, Dr. Chong? Fine, thank you. How are you? I, I, I was, I, sometimes I even don't know where you, uh, where, where you are. Are you in Arkansas? Uh, I'm in Arkansas in Dallas, but this weekend I'm in Dallas. Oh, so you you just uh, move around there? Eh? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Doctor mm-hmm. Kashira or Doctor Patrick? Do you remember Doctor Chong? Hmm. Doctor Chong, did he come to Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. On the panelists yes. of uh, on the panelists of uh, three people who did their uh, education, we had uh, Doctor Mono. And yes. uh, Nathan's guest, what, what's her name, Nathan, that lady? Oh, yes, I remember him. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure, yeah. I remember yeah. him. So that is the, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Chongo. He's the ZBTR resident. Uh, he's here every now and then. But it was nice uh, meeting you in uh, in person, uh, live, as as, uh, as as they say. So, Anakaz, tell us about uh, about Ghana. How was, uh, how was Ghana? Just in general, uh, was this the first time Anaka has been in Ghana? Yeah, it was actually the first time in West Africa, actually, in general. Um, I, I think we we did a stopover one time in Togo. That's about the most the most I've been to West Africa, and then uh, this time was the first time I actually went on the ground and you know met people and uh, blended into the culture for a few days. So it's very similar to Zambia, um, the structure, you know, the roundabouts and you know, the way the roads are done. It's very Zambian. The only difference is that Zambian weather is far much better than Ghana. But uh, the people are the same, very uh, friendly, welcoming. Um, so, yeah, it's, very, it's a very similar culture. Uh, so when you say the Zambian weather, weather is uh, much better... Uh, is it the heat? Are you talking it's about? It's cooler. Yeah, much cooler. They never even. They. I ask them when is when do you have your cold or winter season? They say, oh, we don't have it. We don't have one. It's hot and humid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. maybe it, it is it because they are on the on the coast. Uh, the the humidity yeah. kills them. The way yeah. it will kill you the in the east coast. Humidity is high. The humidity is yeah. in the seventies, which is extremely high. 
So uh, yeah. it's quite unbearable. But I think that they're used to it. I'm not sure how they survive, especially yeah. with agriculture. But uh, I think they've figured out ways to manage with the weather that they have. So yeah. I think how, how long were you there? Uh, how long were you there? Uh, so I was there for four days, was it? Four days or five days. Four days? But I was able uh-huh. to drive around, yeah. I was able to drive yeah. around, um yeah, so the main, I mean, the main reason I was there, of course, was for uh, yes. to attend an event. Uh, so this was a high uh, presidential dialogue, which was organized by UNDP uh, in collaboration with the government of Ghana. Uh, the event was themed Africa's Money for African Development and this uh, a Future Beyond Aid. So it explored how Africa can optimize the use of its resources, use uh, you know local creativity and innovation just to finance the continent's development. So um, the first, I think, some of the takeaways that I have uh, about three of them. The first one is changing of mindset. Uh, as you know, because of so much foreign aid going into Africa the locals start thinking that it's normal for us to survive on, on yes, aid. Yes, yes, good point. And each time they see a non-profit coming in, it's what have you brought? How much money do you have? If there's no money, they, first of all, they're not going to attend your events, they're not going to attend your meetings unless you're paying them. So changing that thinking to, okay, you're, you're coming in as an NGO, what, what is it that you're bringing? It could be finance, it could be technical skills. How do we leverage that into bringing development to the continent? So they talked a lot about changing the mindset. That's the first, the first place. And then uh, we also talked about um, uh, using local resources. How do we use our local resources? As we know, Africa is rich in resources. So how do we use those resources to develop ourselves, to develop the continent, instead of waiting for all you know tangible cash coming into the country, into the into our countries? What what can we do to copper? So how can we add value to copper before it leaves the country? Right? How do we work with local policies to encourage people or to encourage businesses to add value to our resources, so that now we can start adding more value to our, I mean, more money into our into our pocket. So, so it's uh, so it's this change of thinking, change of of how we manage resources, and then the other uh, third item was uh, changing our thinking from global to regional markets. Right. So everything mm-hmm. now is it's in, in the past few years it's been global, global. Let's go global. We all went global, and then now we're trying to bring it home. Well, how do we now open the borders? African borders, I mean, African countries should open up their borders so that they can build better relationship partnerships. Instead of trading across the ocean, you can cross just cross the border. It's more expensive to fly locally than to fly across the ocean. How do we fix that? How do we fix transportation? Mm. How do we even basic things like visas? When I got to the airport uh, on Tuesday, I was supposed to fly out on Tuesday night, the event was on Tuesday, on Thursday. I got to the airport in the evening. They told me, "No, you can't. You can't board because you don't have a visa for Ghana." I said, uh, "I can get a visa at the airport." They said, "No." I said, "I can get a visa at the airport because Zambia is AU, even though I'm a U.S. citizen. I'm also a Zambian." Uh, so they said, "No, um, you have to be part of ECOWAS." So those kinds of restrictions limit the amount of trade that we can do uh, as a, as a continent. So 
there was a lot of conversation around free trade and the new trade agreement. There was a lot of conversation mm. about the barriers, again, uh, the barriers at the border. There were women who shared information about the challenges they face as women crossing the borders, the corruption, uh, bribing officers at the borders, how how to fix that. How And then there's also conversation around if we're making policy out here in the U.S. or wherever out there uh, in Europe, and we're making policy around local people on the continent. We need to put them on. The, we need to have them on the table when we're having those conversations. So they tell us what their real challenges are. We can't have these armchair boardroom type of conversations. So it's these. This dialogue is supposed to help now UNDP to structure their programs that are effective on the continent. So in a nutshell, those are the three areas that we looked we looked at. Are uh, you know collaboration and partnerships and trade. Uh, change of mindset and optimizing resources to finance development. Very, very nice. I mean, yes. you, you bring one uh, aspect um, I, I've seen or I've heard uh, traveling from Lusaka. Uh, I don't know about now, but it's a very common mm -hmm. thing. You want to go to Kinshasa, Nathan. You, you, you go to, yes. to Nairobi and Nairobi to Kinshasa. It does that make any sense? That doesn't, yeah. you know. So, uh, especially, I don't know. Congo is very much on my. Um, if there is one country in in the neighboring uh, country to Zambia which has a lot of uh, commonality with Zambia, it is Congo. And yet, this is a very distant country to ourselves. Very, very mm -hmm. distant from uh, from us. So. God willing, one day I become president. I'm opening those borders in 24 hours. We can figure it out. Uh, you know, those, ah, no, no. The, the Congolese situation is very, very, um, very much on my. On, I, I don't understand that. You know, we've but been if fed. You um, Mumbai, if you go to Lubumbashi, you probably see more Zambian cars than Congolese cars. Because the border that uh, and that's the point, Anakas. That, that is the point. Uh, it, it is vice versa. We Zambians are more accepted. Are going to Congo. Uh, I don't know how, how I'm going to to, to put it. Uh, we consider them thieves when they come to our country. Uh, they are in this. They are in this. They are in this. And yet we are so much welcome. Uh, we Zambians on the on the other side. You know, we are looked at. People who come from a well-to-do country, so to say. Maybe we are, but who knows? Yeah. Right. Anyway, so that was uh, uh, nice. And, and and where does that uh, conference uh, move from there? Where do, do these points you have outlined take us as a as a block? Or, uh, or is this just one of those things we need to talk about? Or did they put an outline or an agenda which they are, they are going to follow going going ahead? Well. Well, the idea, like I said, is to take this information so that now UNDP yes. and other cooperating partners can can develop programs that are suitable to that agenda. Um, because okay. in the past it was just, okay, in, in isolation or whoever is making policy or designing programs for Africa, they were thinking in terms of, okay, here's the aid, here's what they need, we give them money, let's see what happens, and then nothing happens. 
So now they're changing that mind. It's again, changing the mindset of the locals, changing also the programming so that uh, now we should begin to see more, more like better partnerships with, with, with donor aid or better um, results on how the money mm-hmm. is used. So it, it's, it's a process. It's a process, okay. and I'm sure they've had these conversations before, but I was happy to see how they, they, they highlighted organizations or individuals that have actually tried to do some work on the continent without relying on donor aid. And that's really why I ended up there, because Anakazi yeah. is not funded by any, non, any organization, and we've used our own local resources to empower people in a small way, whether it's online, using social media, or sharing a, a little bit of information. So that kind of thinking is what they were looking for. Uh, not rely, not waiting for money to come from Europe or America or wherever. Yeah, that the exactly. funding is coming from. Yeah. I, I hope you book some people uh, so you can discuss with them, uh, bring them. Uh, you know, this is the best way we can reinforce our little radio can uh, play a role. Yes, I, I uh, So I hope of, you. you uh, I've made okay. a lot of connections, and I just want yes. to uh, – I broke the rule of getting back to people in, within 48 hours. I haven't had a chance to email anyone, but I will this week. Just to oh, so the rule is 48 hours. Oh, my God. 48 hours. That's the rule. And that's what I preach, but look at look at me. Uh, one week later, <laughs> I yeah. haven't had a chance to do anything. But, uh, but uh, yes, I, I will reach out to someone – at least two people to see if they can come on the show. They, they say it's better late than never, Anakazi. So this weekend, dedicate yourself to to doing that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, wonderful, wonderful, Anakazi, for for that uh, uh, report. Yeah. So for those who've been waiting for our discussion, this this is uh, the time. Um, I had uh, my friend here. I'm uh, uh, that's when I called your name, I'm then you dropped. Yeah, I, I don't oh, know what I'm happened. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good, thank you. How's, how's everyone? Ladies and gentlemen. Everyone, everyone is okay. Uh, nice and airy, uh, if, if you know if you know what I mean. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to to the discussion about my heart, although I'm very okay. wary because I know I'm I'm one of those people okay. who don't take care of. I don't take care of my body, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm hoping Dr. Kajira will, you know. Will will explain kind of how me. much do you need yes. just to, uh, how much, I don't know if it's exercise or the eating uh, is needed for you to keep your heart in, uh, in good shape. Yeah, uh, I
and uh, received the attention and, uh, you know, and, and people saw the value of what she's doing. And I think it underscores how if you're just passionate about something without expecting anything in return for yourself, um, accolades just come and work, uh, your work speaks volumes and people begin to recognize that. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we hope one day, Anakazi, uh, funding allowing some of these uh, organizations, we can have, uh, we can be strong enough, you know, just to do what we love, we 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 love to do. Uh, in the meantime, the key, the key, uh, the key key any comments? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any comment, Ryan? I'm just, I'm just listening, by Roger. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, no problem. Listening. No problem. Okay, let's visit Dr. Kajira. Dr. Kajira, uh, good morning, one more time. Uh, good we, morning. We, um, I don't know if it is, to use the word, lucky to have you a, oh. uh, as a cardiologist. Uh, tell us uh, about uh, your, your profession, first and foremost. A cardiologist, uh, w- w- what do they do? I know they look after the heart, but other than that, I probably am not very sure. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot, uh, Roger, for giving me this opportunity, and thanks for the listeners. Uh, we'll go through a journey together and, and see and highlight quite a few points about the heart. Obviously, the time allocated won't be enough for us to cover everything, but we'll try our best to be precise, give out the information that needs to go out there change our lives and, uh, and, and live more healthy lives. Oh, to answer your question, uh, who's a cardiologist? Uh, uh, first, before I answer the question, uh, just talk about myself that I am a graduate of UNSA uh, Medical School, and after graduating, I proceeded to South Africa where I did my in internal medicine, and cardiology is part of internal medicine. Uh, so I did uh, four and a half years training, really intense, in the early 90s, and, uh, tried, and then went uh, to train uh, as a cardiologist in South Africa. I'm a South African trained cardiologist. Um, and then, of course, immigrated to Canada 18 years ago. And I've been practicing internal medicine with a special focus on cardiology for the last uh, 18 years. So a cardiologist is a, a basically a physician. So in Zambia, the, the term physician is actually meant to mean a specialist who has trained in internal medicine and not necessarily a medical doctor. So he's a physician. So you've got to have training in internal medicine first, and then you specialize in the area of cardiology, which is the study of the heart and uh, management of uh, diseases that affect the heart. And nowadays, cardiology has expanded and uh, is now divided into various categories. Uh, we often use the words plumber, electrician, and imager. Those are the different fields. So the plumber are the guys who open up your arteries when they're blocked, and the electricians are the ones who deal with electrical problems like pacemakers. And the imagers are the guys who uh, specialize in uh, imaging of the heart and giving us answers uh, like echocardiography, uh, cardiac MRI, and so on. So those are the, that's how I would put it. And then you have 
Within the style of management, uh, you, you can either be an interventional cardiologist, meaning you intervene mm-hmm. on the heart, you are hands-on practically fixing things, or you can be a non-invasive cardiologist, so you never really do any invasive stuff, but you manage patients mainly focusing on preventative measures and, and follow-ups. And, uh, and then you can be a, a, a academic uh, tertiary cardiologist or community-based cardiologist. So I'm a community-based cardiologist. So yeah, we'll, uh, so that's uh, in brief what 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 it's about. So um, I'll, I'll I'll leave you to ask any other question, and then we delve into the. Of course, of course, I've I've done and done. So people, if you want to uh, jump in, um, you 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 come in as 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 you, as you like. Uh, just jump in. Don't wait for me. Okay, so why maybe, maybe just to continue the day. Why are no, we... I, 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 have, I have questions. I have done and done. Yeah. There is not even time here. That's why I'm warning right. the people listening. If you want to talk, you just jump in because I've done here. Sure, um, sure. Why do we need a, a healthy heart? And this is an elementary question, so to say. But uh, um, I, I bring it uh, because probably we don't think about it. Uh, sorry, Anakaz, you are the only lady here. I was uh, thinking about uh, the, the the women yesterday when I was writing this question. How 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 much they take care, of Dr. Kajira, in making sure they are well powdered, the nails are looking good, or all, all things mm. which are outside. You know, we take care of uh, of that. And 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 yet something like a heart here. Probably no one pays attention to uh, to things like that, and hence my question: Why do we need a healthy heart? Great question, great question. In fact, that's where I was going to go. Uh, first of all, uh, let me throw a few facts out there about the heart. The heart, I liken the heart to the engine. If you see a car driving, what's driving that car? You've got the engine. The engine is what drives it. It's the same with our bodies. Our hearts are the engine of our bodies. Oh, wow. Mm. I say that because it's a pump that's supplying the body, the tissues, with the nutrients that the tissues need. Otherwise, if oxygen and nutrients are not available to the tissue, you know what happens? They die. So the heart has to constantly beat regularly without even us thinking about it. And guess what? In a day, your heart beats 100,000 times. And by the time you reach the age of 80, your heart has been beating for over 3 billion times. So it's a a very vital organ. It has to keep beating because if it stops beating even for a a minute or two, you collapse and, and you may die. So, first of all, it's a vital organ. I know other parts of the body are important, but this is a driving uh, organ that we have to take care of. Let me also throw a few other statistics to you, and more to do with heart disease. Did you know that heart disease is, is actually the highest cause of mortality worldwide? People die of heart attacks and strokes 
Every 40 seconds, uh, an American oh. is dying of a heart attack somewhere. Think of it, every 40 seconds. So about 720,000 uh, heart attacks occur in the U.S. alone. In Canada, about 2.4 million people have heart disease. And guess what? In the world, totally, it's number one cause of death. Second, second cause is cancer. But in highly uh, wealthy countries, cancer is really catching up now and is becoming uh, number one. But still, heart disease is important worldwide. And if I can transfer that to our, uh, our sub-Saharan Africa, Zambia, for example, um, the incidence of sudden death, I'm sure every time on Facebook you're seeing a young person, healthy-looking guy, mm. having just dropped dead and collapsed. What do you think they died of? They either died of a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, so we're seeing uh, an increase in non-communicable diseases in, 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 uh, in, in uh, sub-Saharan Africa and in, in developing countries as a whole. And this is partly to do with um, the point Yona made. I thought that's what he was talking about when he talked about uh, McDonald's uh, franchises being springing up in Africa. The trans fats that are found in those foods, now our people are eating them. And uh, there's a social um, idea in Africa that if you are big and uh, fat around the waist, then you are successful. Um, you know, the problems with smoking, all those things, um, lifestyle, sedentary lifestyle, all those things are leading to non-communicable disease, and particularly cardiovascular disease as becoming the number one cause of death. At the moment, I read some statistics in Zambia 2017. It said uh, heart disease was number seven. Uh, strokes were number seven in, as a cause of death in Zambia. Um, and uh, and uh, heart, dis uh, heart attacks number 14. So they're coming up. Um, I mean, but maternal mortality, child mortality, and infectious uh, diseases like malaria, HIV have uh, traditionally be the, been the ones that have been leading the way. So for those reasons, we all need to be worried. Uh, we all need to be concerned. And, um, and I think, Roger, you alluded to age. Uh, I'll touch on age and what changes can happen with age. But certainly if you are a male 40 years and above, uh, you've got to start thinking of uh, the possibility of, of, of having heart-related problems. And if you are a female, you are protected because of estrogen. But as you enter menopause, you start catching up with a male uh, folk um, in your 50s, 55 you, you are pretty much uh, on the table for having these things. I'll pause there a little bit and maybe get some Yeah, questions. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have uh, a, a caller here uh, from South Africa. Uh, if you want, you just want to listen, uh, you can stay the way it is, but if you have uh, a comment, so let me just recognize South Africa is just too far for us to just leave you alone like that. Uh, South Africa number, good morning, uh, good evening, good afternoon there. Yes, good afternoon. This is John Musonda. <laughs> Hi, John. How are you? Nice to hear you, my I'm brother. Glad, thank you. How are you, Doc? Yes. Good, yeah, good, no, I've, good, I've, good. I've just, I've just connected and uh, yeah, listened a bit with interest. And uh, 
very important topic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. just we just want to say hi. Yes, for now. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Thank wonderful. you. Wonderful. No, Dr. Hello. Musonda uh, is a very experienced yes? physician, administrator, great guy. So it's nice to have you. And uh, and he's also part of our Gazap group. So we're we're delighted to have you, Dr. Musonda. And if you have anything you want to chip in and and add to what I've said, feel free. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, w- 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 wonderful, Amsonda. Good uh, to 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 have you. Uh, if the if you you were answering my question as uh, why we need to keep our uh, heart healthy, and now you have uh, pointed out uh, that it is number one cause of death. Uh, the question is why? Why does it cause so much death? Uh, is it because of that element of the engine? You talked about, or why? Why is it so susceptible to death, to uh, okay. mortality? Good. When we look at why, why, why does it cause death? I think we've got to look at risk factors. What are the main factors that lead us to develop heart disease? Now, at this point, I'll focus on heart disease that's related to to cardio, uh, coronary artery disease, which is. You know, every heart muscle, the heart is a muscle. Every muscle needs blood supply. So the heart has its own blood supply. These arteries that supply oxygenated blood to the heart muscle are called coronary arteries. So the problem is um, because of risk factors, which I'll go over quickly, these coronary arteries become hardened and uh, there's plaque buildup. So plaque, which is cholesterol, scarring, starts to build within the arteries and slowly start to occlude the flow of blood and restricting the blood to a particular muscle. When that happens, you have chest pain and it's called angina. But the heart attacks are caused because of a clot forming within the arteries and immediately occluding the flow of blood. So the sudden blockage leads to death of the muscle. And once a big portion of the muscle is affected, the heart can't pump anymore and you drop dead. And that's called a heart attack. Uh, But also people die from just arrhythmias. Remember, uh, the the heart is also an electrical. Remember I mentioned about electrical part. It's an electrical organ. So an arrhythmia, which is a very dangerous heartbeat, can occur either with the heart attack or around the heart attack, and that just causes sudden death. Uh, so that's why people die. Now, the risk factors I, to- I, I thought I would come to, because I think this is crucial when it comes to prevention. Uh, they are, we divide risk factors into two f- segments. They're the non-modifiable ones and the modifiable ones. So the non-modifiable ones are things like age. You know, you, you can't have to change your age. Uh, we are all progressively got, getting older every year. Uh, so age, the older you are, the higher uh, likelihood of developing heart disease or coronary artery disease. Second, uh-huh. gender. If you are male, you are higher risk than females. And as I said, until oh. the females catch up later. If you have the family history of heart attacks, so genetically, if you are designed genetically to have a high risk, if, say, first mem- uh, f- uh, members of your uh, first-degree members of your family, parents, 
siblings, anyone in your family died of a heart attack, you are more likely to, uh, to, to have one as well. And ethnicity, there, there is a, a difference in ethnicity in terms of predisposition. Uh, us as Africans um, tend to have high blood pressure, and, um, and so high blood pressure becomes a key in uh, generating that problem. But in other, uh, uh, in, in other races like Caucasians, it's much more common. And, of course, um, uh, modifiable ones, high blood pressure. I'll touch on that. High cholesterol, diabetes, so type 2 diabetes mainly, obesity, so meaning you are overweight, excessive alcohol intake. I can talk about what's excessive and what isn't. Uh, inactivity, so sedentary lifestyle. Nowadays we are on cell phones, driving, we are on gadgets, uh, we don't exercise as much. Smoking, big, big problem, and uh, stress. So stress, depression, uh, and so on. All the, so those are the uh, modifiable risk factors. So the modifiable ones we can do something about. The non-modifiables we can't really do much about. So that, that's why we die of heart attack, because the arteries get hardened due to these risk factors that I've talked about. I want, uh, wonderful, Dr. Uh, Dr. Kajira. Uh, once I went to the um, dentist, and they they put all these uh, equipment in your in, in your mouth, in your teeth. They are removing mm -hmm. the the clot. They are, they are removing the clot, the clot. So when I hear people uh, mention the clot uh, about the um, in in the heart. Uh, probably mm -hmm. you, are, you have seen it. I mean, you are a doctor. <laughs> you should have <laughs> seen it. The clot, first and foremost, what, what, what are we t talking about? Are, are these uh, kind of um, foods which have hardened? Uh, what is this when we talk about the clot? And then you can probably go ahead and answer how you can, if, if the dentist can go and remove them, uh, in, in the heart which you cannot be opening every now and then, what is the way forward to reduce those clots you've talked about, which build up in the in the arteries? Okay, thanks. So uh, I'll just clarify one thing. Uh, there are two processes. The clot is like the final uh, dagger that that causes a heart attack. But prior sure. to even a clot forming, it's a process. Oh, the build up. Let's call it the build up. The process of build up. It's called atherosclerosis. Yeah. So. Um, this is where uh, the artery, the wall of the artery, starts to build up cholesterol plaque. And uh, if, for example, you have high cholesterol in your body, you haven't been eating healthy, you eat a lot of trans, fat acid, uh, trans fats, you eat a lot of uh, high carbohydrates, and you're not looking after yourself, there's a process that comes with age. In fact, they've done autopsy studies that by the age of 20, if you take a person who died and take look, uh, have a look at the arteries, you see little streaks of fat uh, accumulating within the arteries. So with age, this process, and with lifestyle that, that I've already mentioned, this process gets accelerated. And, uh, oh. and, and then you end up to a point where these clots, these plaques develop, 
and uh, they become very vulnerable to rupture. So what we call the vulnerable plaque. So these are plaques that are highly rich in cholesterol. They have a thin cap over them. And so any shear stress, like say your blood pressure surges, it can rupture at the shoulders. And once the rupture happens, there are blood cells that quickly accumulate on the site of rupture and platelets, uh, some, some of these blood uh, elements, that quickly accumulate and form a clot very rapidly within minutes, seconds, or minutes, and that leads to complete occlusion of the heart attack, and then you have a heart attack. The second component of your question is what do you do, and how do you recognize, since this is a, a, a radio yeah. show where people are lay people, they want to know what, how do I know I'm having a clot? Um, if you have typically chest pain, like a heaviness in your chest, that may come when you are doing something and seem to go away when you rest, that already may be indicative of having a clot or a process of atherosclerosis. And if it happens all of a sudden without any activity, you could be having a heart attack. And the first thing you do is chew two aspirins immediately and call the ambulance and let them come and take you to a hospital where they can see you. Now, you say, what do we do? How, what can they do about the clot? The dentist can remove the clot. Yes, cardiologists can <laughs> remove the clot too. Um, so they basically, traditionally in people, in places where they haven't developed a cath lab uh, or you are far from a cath lab, they may be able to give you what is called a clot buster, uh, which is a, a drug that thins the blood. And that can reopen that artery very quickly, but it's got to be given very, very fast, uh, within at least uh, a half, uh, an hour or so of presenting before the damage is made. And then after what, they what, give what that clot, what, what they may then go in and actually remove the clot. What I meant, I just want to um, uh, update to, to that question. What I meant is every... Uh, is it three months, every quarter of the, uh, I'm going to the dentist for them to, to do the plaque. Um, what is the process of um, me keeping my, my heart uh, built up free, um, not necessarily requiring uh, the medical attention, but yes. that, that constant maintenance, if you, if you like, that constant ma maintenance, how do, how do I do that? Excellent. Um, well, the risk factors, remember the risk factors I mentioned earlier. Yes. So yes. if yes. you have high blood pressure, for example, yes. you've got to make sure you get it treated. Um, it's important actually for all, I would suggest all uh, middle-aged uh, people should have blood pressures checked at least once a year, even if you've never been diagnosed. If you have a family history, you may want to do it even more often. So check your blood pressure. Make sure it's, uh, you see a doctor who should control the blood pressure uh, with uh, either medication or lifestyle. So exercise is important in controlling your blood pressure. And you might ask, uh, how often should I exercise? We generally, we just say 150 minutes a week of exercise, moderate to intense exercise. 150 minutes, which translates to about 30 minutes, okay, at least 
at five times a week, that's ideal, but it's always better to be moving, always better to be active doing something than not. The second thing you want to do is make sure you don't have diabetes. If you get checked for diabetes, because diabetes is one of the major risk factors. Thirdly, avoid smoking. Fourthly, eat healthy. And what do I mean by eat healthy? A lot of uh, diets out there. The bottom line is cut your trans fats out. So eating fast foods is not good for you because that's a sure way of accumulating cholesterol in your arteries. Eat more fresh vegetables and, and uh, fruit. At least half of your plate should have been vegetable and fruit. And eat lean meats. Don't, don't fry them. Don't deep fry foods. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and then low-salt diet. I can't overemphasize that. In Africa, hypertension is one of the largest killers. It causes strokes, heart attacks, and kidney disease. And as Africans, as black people, we are salt-sensitive. So eating salt, too much salt, is actually directly bad for you. It's going to cause high blood pressure. So I would say to not add extra salt on the table and eat about a teaspoon of salt total, all the foods in a day, only a teaspoon of food, which translates to about 2.3 grams of salt, no more than that. And uh, then, of course, I, I talked about exercise, uh, I, avoiding uh, stress, stress at jobs, always find time to rest. You can't work forever. Even if you're chasing after the dollar, do it smartly. <laughs> yeah, you can't just overwork yourself and have no time for relaxation. So stress management is very important. And, uh, of course, obesity nowadays, uh, kids are eating all these junk foods and growing fat, uh, 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 obese very quickly, so we need to, to deal with that. And same thing with adults. Alcohol. Uh, I think this one is topical because alcohol is very popular in, in Zambia. Um, people love to drink. Um, what is too much drink? Um, generally speaking, for a woman, no more than two drinks per day and no more than <laughs> ten in a week. And then for men, <laughs> for men, no more than three drinks a day. In fact, that's being actually generous. Not more than three drinks a day and not more than 15 a week. So cut that alcohol because alcohol can lead to high cholesterol and, and, and so on. So those are practical things we can do to prevent ourselves. But more importantly, get your blood pressure checked. If, if you forgot everything I've said today, remember this one thing, high blood pressure, check it. Let me allow Dr. Musonda in South Africa. Uh, maybe he wants he has a comment or so. Uh, you've got from very far, so would like to hear from you, Dr. Musonda. Yes. Any uh, comment or addition uh, you may want to add on here? Yes, no, I've been listening with uh, with a lot of interest. Yes, when it comes to uh, alcohol intake. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's important to, a lot of people have written about units of uh, alcohol and all that, but in South Africa we talk about 14 units for females, 
and 21 units for males per week. <laughs> so I think they include weekends. <laughs> 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 I think I think you you're being very, being very generous there. <laughs> yeah, so you talk of, you take your three your three units as a man, but times seven that's twenty one units, which is wow. times, a unit is a lager, like the size of a lager. Mm. Okay, bottle. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. you know. So yeah, that is the, that was interesting to to note. But also, yeah. uh, being a family physician and the kind of work I'm involved in, I'm very much interested in, you know, for example, cardiology, how it can integrate with the primary health care in a formal kind of program. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you often have patients, you know, ischemic heart disease, heart failures, you know, all these dysarrhythmias and all that. They are treated at a higher center, and then they are, they are sent for follow-up at primary health care. And they are mm -hmm. followed up in a form of chronic treatment program kind of thing, you know, at that level. Now, mm -hmm. as a cardiologist, I mean, what what sort of uh, formal programs can we put in place, you know, to to improve this integration? There must be an integration. Yes. Because what we are talking about is prevention. Yes, yes. Yeah, if we do preventative work well, then we are, we'll end up with fewer complicated cases. Exactly. And the shift, the shift now is towards primary health care in terms of resources, you know, budgeting and everything, especially so in, in, in developing countries. Because we know that the amount of money we spend on treating patients at primary health care is much, much less compared to tertiary level, and yet the outcomes are, are better. And tertiary level, as far as we are, we are looking at, is probably non-existent. Yes, that's a very good point, Dr. Msondai, and I think, in my view, that's what we should be focusing on, is primary health care. Uh, as I mentioned there, um, having blood pressure checked, having cholesterol checked, basic, simple things like that will save money. I was reading an article that said um, in developing countries, by 2030, we would have spent or lost about $7.3 trillion due to heart disease alone if we don't fix the problem. And where would that money come from? $7.3 trillion would be uh, lost due to either uh, people who have had heart attacks, strokes, or, or straining on the healthcare system. So as Dr. Musonda said, it's best to prevent something from happening, and it's much, much cheaper than uh, allowing it to happen, and then now we try to find solutions to it. So uh, the integration part is key. And uh, one proposal I have is through GAZAP, our newly formed uh, organization, one, one initiative we could do is go on a campaign, an education campaign, sponsor yeah. ads on television in Zambia, in, in, in Africa, uh, and also maybe just uh, drive an awareness, awareness campaign. I think yeah. people have done it, but it's not sustained. And I think we can, mm -hmm. we can do that to try and contribute to awareness and then, of course, encourage government to invest in primary health care. Uh, right now, they are spending money sending 
people for specialization, more specialists and more tertiary, but, but I think the, the, the money should be spent much more on primary health care. Yeah, that's my belief, especially that we can't afford um, a lot of these high-tech, very expensive treatments uh, in the long term. I think prevention is the way. I totally agree with you. As you uh, rightly said it, Dr. Kajira, uh, if anything else fails, have your blood pressure uh, checked. And yes. I bring back my mind here uh, in Canada, every, I think even in the U.S., Every Walmart at the pharmacy, they have uh, that sit-up uh, where you sit and just put your your arm in there to check your your blood pressure. Uh, so I'm yes. thinking every probably every shopping mall, uh, yes. maybe we can use the, our little noise, our little um, influence to to encourage the shopping malls to have uh, this freestyle. Uh, I don't know if you encourage them freestyle uh, blood pressure checkups uh, so that yes. at least everything else, as you said, if you fail everything else, have your blood pressure checked. Yes. And and avoid smoking. Um, smoking is a big... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big yeah. So uh, on that point, uh, you mentioned two things, smoking and drinking. I don't know what my brother... Uh, who was laughing? You know, when you were saying three drinks per day, he was busy laughing. If you heard someone laughing, it was my brother, Noel Musokotwane. Let's ask him why he was laughing. I'm Sokotwane. Why were you laughing? Uh, first, uh, because I was laughing because I think for me, the heading of this segment is Dr. Kajira changes Noel's lifestyle in 20 minutes. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think that's what it is. But I, I do, I do have a question though. I walk, I walk a lot, not by mm -hmm. choice, but because of my job. I mm -hmm. walk at least uh, ten miles a day, which is about uh, twenty twenty thousand steps a day. And That's I've had great. this job, and I've had this job for nineteen years. Now, with mm -hmm. if I if I'm also a smoker and a drinker. Now, does it mean that because I, I walk a lot, meaning I exercise a lot, does that offset my lifestyle or does it not matter what my lifestyle is? I'm, that's what I want to find out. That's why I was laughing. So is there an offset there? Is there a help that I'm walking? Yes, it definitely does help uh, that you're walking, but does not uh, completely nullify the other factors uh, that may, may put you at risk. So it's always good to look at the whole picture. Um, you can be doing something good. There's some people who uh, may be uh, keeping their blood pressure under control, but they don't actively uh, exercise. They're eating bad. So one, one component is not enough. We've got to look at all the risk factors and check them one by one. I walk, so I'm giving you a tick for walking. You. So you, you must be in shape, but the drinking, that alone, that alcohol is going to damage your arteries. The smoking will do likewise. And so you find you may be nullifying the, the benefits you're getting walking. from walking. But certainly I, yeah. would, I would give oh. you a, a class for doing that. That's, that's going to be helpful. Thank you. But, but a Thank lot you. of people have that fallacy in thinking, that comfort, that because I do one thing, 
then I'm safe. No, still check your cholesterol. Go to your doctor. Make sure all the other factors are under control. Thank you, you know, Dr. Katila, sometimes I, I exercise quite a little bit on my treadmill. What and what? Guess what I'm going to do when I'm at, at, at work the next day? I'm going to McDonald's. I'm like, oh, well, I exercise. I did this. I did all my certifications <laughs> in my head. Uh, now I can I can indulge, so to say, you know. Uh, human, yeah. Human brain is is terrible. I can I can exactly. do it. I mean, if uh, you oh, wait, a question. Don't I once about in a while, to call. we only have four minutes here. I'm about to wind up. Um, Doctor Kajira, uh, as you age. I, I know there is accumulation of uh, cholesterol there. What happens? Uh, um, what, what other things happen to the very very quickly there? Happens to the heart? Does it uh, uh, become a little bit tired, overused? Uh, what's happening to the heart as as we are aging? Uh, if it doesn't get the uh, necessary help uh, to stay strong. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, as we age, uh, the heart goes through what we call remodeling. Uh, so the, the, it stiffens up, the muscle stiffens up, um, and so that means uh, the, 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 the blood, the chambers do not accept as much blood as they did when they, it was more compliant as a younger person, more elastic, so it becomes stiff, and the heart rate even though at rest your heart rate may beat at 80 beats per minute or 70 beats per minute, but when you exercise, your heart does not go as high uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to compensate for what you're doing when you're growing older. So, so um, the arteries get hardened as well. They get harder, so they become less compliant, and so that leads to high blood pressure. So high blood pressure is directly related to age as well. The older we get, the more likely. But also when we age, we develop uh, enlargement of our chambers in the heart. And that can lead to a very important arrhythmia called atrial fibrillation. And this one is really dangerous because when you develop atrial fibrillation, you develop clots in the heart which can cause a stroke. So I'm not sure in Zambia how much aware and how much we screen for atrial fibrillation, uh, but uh, it's more common in older populations for sure. So, so aging definitely, the valves also get uh, calcified, and so they can get narrow where the valve needs to be attended to, or they can start leaking where the valve, and you can also have the electrical system failing where you need a pacemaker to be put in to help the uh, heart beat. So a lot of things can happen with age. So we've run out of time. Uh, everything we've talked about here, maybe Dr. Kajira is going to comment, uh, go to my Facebook page there. Uh, a lot of answers, again, online we, we can get. Dr. Kajira, thank you so, thank you so much. Um, I'm, thank a lot of you. people have been uh, uh, listening. So we hope, we hope. We can change one more. We, we've changed one uh, one person here, Noel. No, well. uh, at least yes, we, no, we'll keep, we'll keep an know. eye on you, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep an eye on uh, on the Probably the follow-up we can do with the smoke very quickly. The beer we can do. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thank you for joining us.